Welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. On this episode, Mike interviews American author and literary editor Jane Lahr, who's also the daughter of famous Hollywood actor Burt Lahr, who you may know as the Cowardly Lion in The Wizard of Oz. How's it going, Jane? Well, it's going well. Starting off, um, how did your dad uh, get his name, Burt Lahr? Because uh, that was not his, his original name, right? That's correct. My father was born in Germantown in New York City, which is in the east on the east side um in the eighties. And uh he he was German. He's totally and utterly German. His family came over and he was born in eighteen ninety five and his family came over to America in the late uh uh probably around eighteen eighties, I would say. So his last name, he was from a Jewish family, his last name was Larheim. But at that time, um, there were billboards, and you, the word Larheim would not fit on a billboard. I mean, it, oh. it was another day. And uh, so he was Lar, so it went to Bert Lar. Okay. So, uh, and, and you've stuck with uh, the, the last name um, ever since that, that you've been born? Well, right. I mean, it, the, the name was changed probably in, I don't know exactly the date, but possibly around 1910 or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. So, so, you know, so, no, we were, I was born as a Lar. A <laughs> My brother, John Lar, was also, who's, who happened to be an author, very fine author, um, and reviewed for, he was the longest theater critic for The New Yorker, that has ever been on the New Yorker. He was theater critic for twenty years and still does profiles for them. But we are both Lars. Lars. Yes. So, uh, so let's let's jump into the film. Um, I, it's a great film that we're still talking about, even seven over seven decades later. And um, my first question I wanted to ask is just how hot was it in that costume? Because I. I can just see with all that makeup, with all that they, I have to tell you, uh, Michael, they hated the costumes. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> they were bet. all these all these middle-aged vaudevillians. That's what they were. My father, um, Jack Haley, Ray Bulger. They were all middle-aged vaudevillians, and they hated the costumes. They were not so bad for this. Well, no, it was bad for Ray Bulger, too. The costume was terribly hot, and um, Dad was miserable in it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yes. And the Tin Man, of course, the first Tin Man, um, Buddy Ebsen was the first Tin Man, who the the mercury in the tin costume gave him, he went to the hospital, and then he was replaced by Jack Haley because he was too sick to do the movie. But so Buddy, the costumes were, were a torture to all of them. And I do believe, um, I think Dad had his meals through a straw, but and I, and I think that may have been Ray Bulger's lot as well. And, I was, and, yeah. I'm I, sorry, Mike. Oh, no, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just I, I wanted to piggyback off of what you were saying. I mean, basically one thing that I was reading online, uh, which uh, you – know how well you can trust the internet obviously <laughs> but um so that uh, yeah he he just uh, had 
the makeup kind of like redone as, as he was eating and just, yeah, like you said, I mean, just hated the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, they would get in there very early and because the costumes were so complicated to get to put the, get the costumes on. Now, these, these, they were really not into this, nor did they have a clue that this would be a movie that would re, be remembered longer than almost, a certain, almost any movie made in 1939, probably the longest. And um, I, I, there were some great movies made in that year. It was a very good year for movies. But... Um, it was this movie has been remembered into another century. And one 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 thing I like, Jane, about this film is that uh, if you watch movies today, you see a lot of um, computer graphics that are added in. Whereas during this time period, they they didn't. I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion I like the uh, the original format rather than adding stuff in. Uh, and um, it it just looks it just looks so much better in in my opinion. Yes, I can understand that. It seems real. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, the m- movie is a very is a very important movie for many reasons. It was made during the second. It was made during. It was made at the cusp of the Second World War, and in that period, it seems to me because I was born during the war, there was a lot of very dark energy. So you had one of the, the Wizard of Oz, when I saw it, I saw it at five. I wasn't alive when it was made, but I saw it when I was five years old. Scared me to death. <laughs> and it is that dark energy that was prevalent at that time that gave us the Second World War because it was just on the cusp of the Second World War. It was also in Snow White, the Disney movie that had been so successful. Um, it had that dark energy. And... Um, the the flying monkey scared me to death. I went had nightmares when I saw the movie for the first time. I can imagine. You know, that. it was a pivotal movie, and it was pivotal because it was like a waking dream. We were going into a time of war, but the outcome of that movie was they kill the wicked witch of the west. They yeah. free her minions. So it, it was like a, a waking dream with a very positive outcome. And I do think that's one of the reasons it's been remembered and treasured, because of that positive feeling. That part of it, the music and the outcome, were so positive. But it was dark. It had a very dark edge. So this was your dad's, by the time that uh, The Wizard of Oz came, this was his 17th film, was it, by the time time he got offered The Wizard of Oz? Well, I can tell you right now, it may very well be his seventeenth film. I have not seen the six. I have. I've seen maybe about five of his other films, but but this this was a film. This his, to be cast as the lion was a perfect role for him. First of all, he is a Leo. His birthday is August thirteenth. So he and the, the writer Yip Harburg and Harold Arlen wrote for him during his years in vaudeville and uh, the Follies, the George White scandals and the Ziegfeld Follies, they wrote his material and knew his, 
his physicality, his morphology. He was a he was like if you've ever he made sounds like animals. He you know he he was very physical as a, a performer, and so they knew he would be perfect for this role, and they pitched it to the producers. And the producers agreed, you know. And so it was a perfect role for Dad. And the composer and the lyricist wrote his songs. If I, if I Were King of the Forest is a perfect Burt Lahr number. Absolutely. And your your dad actually uh, did some improv in that film. Uh, he wrote kind of like his own dialogue from what I was uh, reading. Well, there were a few lines that he, you know, when he was in the poppy fields, he says something like, uh, fine uh, fine weather we're having when it starts to snow. Or he says something that funny weather we're having here, isn't it? Or he would, yeah, there were a few one-liners that he just used, and uh, and they kept it in the movie. Did your dad get along with all, all the other actors? Oh, yeah. Well, he knew them. Of course, he these were old buddies of his. He was a he knew Ray Bolger before the movie was made and Jack Haley and they were all as I said vaudevillians and the truth of it is he didn't of course know Judy but Judy was a vaudevillian as well she and her sister performed in vaudeville so they they were all old friends and um, which was great and they teased I know they teased Ray Bolger terribly um, Jack Haley and Dad teased Ray Bolger because Jack Haley was uh, Bolger always going to say something like, oh, Bert would say, well, I boxed. Oh, well, I, and, and Ray Bolger would say, well, I was the greatest boxer in my neighborhood. <laughs> he would always best everyone. So they would tease him about this, this and it was and make things up that he could best, you know. So, um, no, they were great friends and they, they enjoyed working together. They didn't think, they did not have a clue that this movie would be um uh, transcend uh, the ages, as it were. Absolutely, it's just a very well written film and very uh, well directed. I mean, the whole thing just perfect, just perfect. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I can say. Perfect. But there is one thing that isn't perfect in it, and I will tell you what it is. And you'll have to. I don't. I used to know the exact moment, but in the scene in which um, Dad jumps out at Judy. When she, at uh, Dorothy, they're walking through the dark forest. This is when Dad first appears in the movie, when the lion first comes out, and um, and Toto gets away from Judy, and the lion starts to chase Toto, and um, Dorothy grabs Toto and then slaps the lion, and then Dad starts to cry or whatever. She actually laughs. You, and she pulls the dog yeah. up in front of her so that you can't see it. But that laugh has been caught on film in that movie. <laughs> now she got into trouble because um, the one the director had had to actually slap her to cause her because she kept breaking up. But they finally got the shot. But you can certainly see that she's a, she puts the dog in front of puts pulls up the dog Toto in front of her mouth. So that you can't see it, but she is laughing, and it is in the film. So, is it true that uh, the ruby red slippers were were stolen? Uh, I think I read, yeah. Yes, they were stolen, but I think they found them. I don't. I haven't followed that. You know, I do periodically follow what's happened to the costume, but um, 
the lion costume, but I haven't. Yes, they were stolen, but they were returned, and there are a number of ruby slippers there. Uh, there were many, of course, because she had to, you know, she'd wear one, out, you know, that you had to have more than one in doing oh, yeah. One yeah. is at the Smithsonian. They are in the Smithsonian. Uh, and there are other places, and I don't know exactly where. Your 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 dad's costume was was sold. I I do believe. Yes, recently, a few years ago, it was sold um, in New York at Bonhams, uh, and it was sold for three million dollars. Wow! And they got the whole. It was displayed in a huge case you know environment that was in plexiglass, really rectangled rectangular box and there was dad there was a man you know a mannequin that looked like dad and the person of course got the whole magilla <laughs> did it did it still look the same after all those years well of course not because it when it was dumped by mgm and some a fellow found it in the garbage many years ago probably in the 80s i think or maybe before and rehabilitated it I, you know, and so um, MGM dumped a lot of things. Wonderful, to, all the all the architectural drawings for Emerald City and all the sets. They were just thrown out, and um, thank God some people found them. So, but no, that's what happened. No, the, it is not what it. I think it's. I can't even. I don't want to guess how much of it is real and how much of it is not. Right. But, Gotcha. So yeah. there was a um, cartoon that was put out called Courage, the Cowardly Dog. Um, I know quite like a while back. I didn't know if that had anything to do with uh, based off your dad's character or not. I have no idea. Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no worries. No worries. I, I mean, I was just curious. I thought maybe they got the idea uh, at the Cartoon Network from, from your dad's character. So I didn't know if you knew anything well, about that. They may that. have done. I just, you know, it's hard to keep up with um, with that. Yeah. With all of it, because there's a lot of, there have been a lot of prequels. Um, in fact, I'm we're working on a book now, just uh, that Rizzoli will be publishing, uh, called Discovering Oz. Um, we had uh, there's an extraordinary young artist by the name of um, uh, Gabriel. Gabe Gale, and he is um, has illustrated all of the Oz images. He has redrawn all of the creatures in all of the Oz books, and he went to School of Visual Arts in New York, graduated from that, and then Architectural School of Columbia, and so this will be a tribute to his his re renderings of um, all the characters in the Wizard of Oz books. It should be published in 20 fall of 2021 i believe or 20 i'm mean, either 2021 and 2022 but um so that's exciting and we're working on that now well i cannot wait to, to see that book sounds like and sounds like very a, a very interesting project there it's gonna be yeah it's gonna yeah. be very beautiful his illustrations are sensational so now i have a question for you jane uh did you ever um get well maybe not i mean uh were you ever offered roles as far as acting goes did you get bit with the acting bug well you know um okay uh i was very uh the truth of it is is that um when my father was dying 
I was um, asked to be in a Harold Pinter play off Broadway, and it was a two-character play, and I did it. I accepted it as sort of as a tribute to my father, and um, I got a few rave reviews, and that was it. I knew that was, I didn't, at the time, I didn't really love the audience, and I knew that was a critical ingredient in my father's work. And so, and I'm a sculptor, so I, but I wanted to do that for dad. And my brother, at the same time, who is dying, delivered, he wrote a wonderful book, Notes on, John Law, Notes on a Cowardly Lion, Knopf published it. It's a fabulous biography of dad. And um, he brought the finished uh, book to dad when he was in the hospital dying. And uh, so we both had this feeling of giving him some sort of tribute at that time. Um, but if anyone interested in The Wizard of Oz, that book, Notes on a Cowardly Lion, is a must read. And the truth of it is, is my father was very shy. And so at the end of his life, John started interviewing him and truly that's where we learned something about our father, because he was not a man of many words. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. That's one thing I've noticed um, about actors. It seems like, well, I know this is not across the board, but I mean, it seems like that most actors are people of very few words. Many, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, certainly of that generation. Again, he was born in 1895. Um, this was not, this was before therapy. It was before people really looked into themselves. They were, you know, um, self-reflection. He he was born into a German town, into, you know, into a, uh, his father was a um, upholsterer, into a, really into the streets of New York. He did not like school and he dropped out of school um, when he was, uh, I would say, probably around 11. And um, the, I remember he, in this book, and John found this out, that his teacher said to him, you're either going to go to jail or you're going to go be on the stage. And so, and that's what it was. He, he had, he ended up on the stage. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, right. As they, but, as but, they would say. Yeah. So, um, but so, so at the time of dad, dad was making a movie the night they raided Minsky when he, he got sick on the set and he went to the hospital and then he proceeded to die of pneumonia. And, um, and yet at that time we were both, we both wanted to honor him. And so I did the play and Johnny delivered a finished book that is a classic and it's for, if you were interested in the theater and performing arts notes on the cowardly lion is a great book now also uh one other thing that i was uh reading was that uh the the, the famous lays commercial that your dad did uh with yes. the line bet you can't eat just one yes that was great was yes he, yeah and he had yes he they were the best commercials i think i've ever seen i don't know why lays doesn't re bring them back and just you know put different copy, but they are so funny and brilliant. They were fabulous. And he had another contract. He died, but he was going to do another year of these commercials. 
before he died. <laughs> he oh. did not want to die. <laughs> I <just had> to die. <laughs> no, I bet. I bet. Yes. No, he was very anxious to get to do, finish the movie and to do these new commercials. But um, you know, we don't always have those choices. <laughs> so, uh, Jane, I have uh, one one more question for you, ma'am. And uh, you've sure. been you've been absolutely more than generous with your time, and I so appreciate you coming on and. Um, um, what advice uh, did your dad give to aspiring actors uh, if he ever came across one? All right. He can't, I'm sure he did come across them. But as I said, he was a man of very few very, words. Absolutely. I was in, I, but I was traveling around the country after I graduated from school. And he was playing in Ypsilanti. He was doing um, Twelfth Night and Winter's Tale in, in, in a, at an, an acting fest, festival in Ypsilanti. And so I was there, I went there, and I and they had a, uh, after the performance of um, Winter's Tale, uh, he, uh, some students came with their teachers and asked him questions. And he said this, they, once, what do you, he was asked, uh, you know what? What is what? What is it that you do to be so funny or to be so? He said, "Here's my advice: You have to love the audience." And so I thought, "Oh my God, that's what he does. He loves the audience, and they love him back. And that's it. It's the humanity of that. He loved." And, and and that's why being in the theater or watching him in a movie, this incredible—he opens your heart. He actually loved the audience. It wasn't about the ego. It wasn't about the me 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 me. It was that he really loved the American audience. Yeah. I never got the sense of what, uh, I mean, as far as the, the ego goes or anything like that, as far as that was concerned. Um, right. Yeah, very, very few, I think, uh, uh, egos. And, uh, yeah. And when I say American, I mean the wonderful tapestry of immigrants, because he was an immigrant. His family were immigrants. The Irish, the, he loved the texture and the people of that made up America. Better way to say it. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. He loved being in front of them. He loved bringing them joy. He loved the humor. He loved the laughter. And that fed him in the performance that uh, he, you know, when you, it was quite extraordinary to be in the theater with him. So anyway, well, Jane, that is the answer. That's yeah. the answer. Jane, I do want to give you one more plug on, on that book that you have coming out that you're talking about. What is the name of that book? Uh, Discovering Oz and Michael Hearn, who wrote the great best-selling book, The Annotated Wizard of Oz, is going to write the introduction. And uh, John Fricke, who has written many books, wonderful books on Judy Garland, is going to write part of the text. And it is going to be a fabulous book. So. Okay, I know I had I said one more question, but I have one more that came to mind. Do you still uh, <laughs> do you uh, talk to Liza Minnelli at all, or see her from time to time? No, you know um, that's a good question. I she's no, we just I never met her. I've um, I met Lorna Luft, uh, and in fact I met Judy. When when I was a young girl in New York, and she was in New she was in New York, and I met her, Judy, 
um, but but I do, have never met Liza. I have great, you know, I respect for her work, and um, certainly in Cabaret, I mean, she was remarkable in that movie. But I have, and she's just a wonderful voice, but I do not know her. Gotcha. Um, yeah. All right, well, Jane, thank you so much for your time, ma'am. Well, thank you, Michael. I we appreciate it. We will definitely be on the lookout for that book. It sounds like a very interesting book. Thank you, Michael. You All have right. a very good day and stay healthy and safe. Oh, doing my best. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, okay, bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you heard today, like our Great Scott Podcast Facebook page. That's where you can find information on Mike's upcoming entertainment podcasts.